I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Monday, March 9, 2020. You are looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. Let's cut right to the chase. We had another market crash on our hands. This one was pretty epic. It redefines what epic was as it relates to the market. So we can take this from a lot of angles tonight. We can talk about the coronavirus. We can talk about the oil market, the energy markets. We can talk about interest rates. We can talk about a whole host of things, and we're probably going to touch a little bit on a whole lot of them. The goal is to give you a well-rounded view of what's really going on from 30,000 feet up looking down. We'll also go over the numbers. What is that 275.31 on the screen? Did you put that on after the close? No, I didn't. We'll get to that later. Let's get right into the daily chart. What do we have on our hands? We had another rubber band that broke. Friday's close, we had a ramp up into the end of the day, suck in some bulls, think that they're going to come out with something over the weekend to alleviate the issue around the coronavirus and whatever else was going on. You can see here, this represents the last hour or so of the day on Friday. They ripped the market up about 100 handles. And then you fast forward today, we gapped them down a ton. And I mean a ton. It wasn't even close. Back to the daily chart for now. We all know the numbers by now. Just to put it in perspective to frame out the video, the S&P 500 was down 225 points, 7.5%. How you doing? The Dow, a cool 2,013 points down, 7.8%. How you doing? Definite fear out there. That's what you want to see when you begin looking for another turn in the market. Where will be the next short-term bottom? We're going to talk about that as well, obviously. Interest rates, they're at basically just north of zero. The 10-year treasury, half a percent. The 30-year treasury, 30-year treasury. One more time, 30-year bond. You're borrowing money meaning the federal government, is borrowing money at less than 1%, 0.937%. Also said 937 basis points, your or whoever is buying a treasury bond is essentially loaning the government money at less than 1% for 30 years. Now, nobody's really doing that. Bond market is traded back and forth like everything else but we're not going to get into that. There are buyers of treasuries that intend to hold them. They're mainly governments around the world, big institutions, yada, yada, yada. Is that a possible trend change in bonds, by the way, in yields? Here's the TLT chart. We're going to jump around a little bit for obvious reasons. There's a lot to discuss. There's no set agenda or syllabus for tonight. TLT, nice reversal. Now, it's still in an uptrend very high on the chart, that goes without saying. But was this an exhaustion move? That's on the table. Now is probably a good time to talk about the 275.31. As you can see, the SPY or Spider closed below that price. But what's interesting is after the market closed, we find the ES, meaning the futures contract, 
and also the aftermarket activity in the SPY, we find the S&P rallying after the close. Now, whether or not this rally is going to stick, is it a dead cap bounce, some short covering? It could be all kinds of things. I only have the numbers to go by, so we're going to talk about the numbers, not the excuses or the reasons why a move might happen. We're just talking about the numbers around a move. So now we have to talk about inside the numbers, and mind you, there is a absolute method to the madness today. Pay attention to the numbers. Now, this pre-market morning section was posted probably beginning about 7, 7.15, maybe 7.30 this morning. Believe me when I tell you, I was up most of the night. Not because I'm worried about the market or anything, but mainly because my blood is flowing when this kind of stuff happens. Who the hell can sleep? You're living through and paying attention to and probably actively trading in the market during a period in time that's going down in the history books. How the hell can you sleep? When you look at the pre-market morning notes, we talk about Sunday night. We had a big gap down. We had a limit down. And what a limit down is when the market is down, and I think with futures, it was 5%. And I think it became 7% on the open today. So we had another circuit breaker take hold right at the opening bell today. So we had a circuit breaker in the futures last night. We had another circuit breaker at the open, and I want to point something out very, very interesting. Obviously, I'm running numbers all night long. So focus on the line that says, if you have to know where this trader sees SPY support below current price, that's based on where it was trading in the pre-market, it's a zone because it has to be a zone because the swings are ridiculously wide, right? So 275.31 and 270.47. We'll just say for argument's sake, it was a 50-point S&P zone or 5 SPY handle zone. Had no choice. You scroll up a little bit, and you'll also see at the bottom, most traders will be spectators today. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're not comfortable taking on undue risk, don't. Anybody that's not comfortable participating in an environment like this should be a bystander an innocent capital-preserving bystander. By the way, check out Stocks on the Move. So you'll notice, and in the notes also, you'll notice that I'm picking out, A, the names we know. We're not going to trade some penny stock that has a float of seven shares. We're going to trade stuff that has real businesses around it. We're also going to trade stuff that's coming into areas that this trader would be interested to buy the stock because it's at a ridiculous price. Now, today's ridiculous price may not seem ridiculous next week, but today we had ridiculous prices on our hand. We identified them in the pre-market, and if any of those prices were hit today, they were good enough like any other day for a potential rocket ride. Did any of them hit? Two of them hit. One doesn't count. It was Caterpillar later in the day. The other one was MU Micron right at the opening bell. Not suggesting any trader was supposed to take this trade, although we did have traders take this trade. We'll take a look at the chart if I can remember. Let's go back up so you can see what was going on throughout the trading day. Obviously, it was a rodeo, but I'm still providing the notes. I'm providing the commentary for those traders that want to participate. 
Early thoughts. This is important. It's a waiting game. We wait for the market to open and do its thing in both directions. People will be throwing up stock and anything else they can get their hands on. Logical support areas can and will take a sabbatical from reality in a crash scenario. It's an awareness. Here's what I've always told my kids, which obviously applied today. Don't do stupid stuff. It's not worth it. And when push comes to shove, a kid, you, me, we know what's stupid and what's not stupid. If you would feel stupid telling me about a trade you took, then it was a stupid trade. And by the way, the same thing applies to me. I'm not immune from stupid. Let's move on. You can read the notes, start and stop the video as you please. I want you to focus on a couple of things. 295.31, we started in with that before most people had a cup of java. And then later on, you're going to focus in on something else. You're going to focus in on another number, 279. Jot that down, 279. Let's scroll up. You can start and stop, read it at you like. Not the 279 here at 1030, but one that's going to come into play later in the day. We move on. We'll go throughout the trading day. You can see what's going on. We're identifying stuff that's happening. We have an awareness. We're looking around the horn, the IWM, the transports. They're giving a tip-off of what may or may not happen later. That's how we use them throughout the trading day. They're proxies in the trading day. They're proxies after the daily close. It doesn't always work that way. And when I say proxies, leading indicators. The IWM is leading indicator number one. And the transports, leading indicator number two. Favorite canary in the coal mine, number one. Continuing along, continuing on, we're discussing things that are present things that are apparent awareness type stuff we do that throughout the day so that traders from inside the numbers members inside the numbers can start to learn the cadence of the market what you're doing over time is you're learning how to read the tape based on what's happening it's different every day so every single day i'm telling you exactly what i'm seeing which leads to a learning experience of how to read the tape continuing along in the morning, what they did was make a bullish pattern that said, hey, if we continue with this bullish pattern and we stay above a certain price, and this was in the notes, there's a fair likelihood that we're going to make another leg higher. So they did that. Yes, we had traders hop on board, continuing along. Again, the swings are wide. They're going back and forth. It's an enormous range. The numbers are wide. Now you'll notice... IWM was in a different position than the SPY. That's of note, watching that all day. Transports made a new low. You'll notice the 115 post at the bottom. Transports made a new low. We're watching. That's important information. We talk about exceeding the low of the day up at the 135 post. I think they exceeded it by a few pennies, like a nickel, and then that's where they ripped them back up. We talk about that all the time, too. We have traders, not we have, but there are traders that end up selling a break of the low. It's called selling in the hole. It doesn't work the large majority of the time. Now check out the three o'clock post. If they rip higher off low of day test, there was bad English in there. I was jumbling words around. It's fast. I make mistakes. Here's the net net. And here's the point that didn't get lost. They can jam this thing into the SPY 279 area, give or take, rodeo. All right, let's continue on. I think this is important. 333. So they did the thing where they jam them 
to SPY279. It was resistance 27906. Anything goes into the end of the day. Rip up or smash down, best guess. Now, here's a 15-minute chart. Let's get our faculties in order. Where are we? Here's the retest of the low. The low is 273.45. The low this morning was 273.50. So by a nickel, they spike it through and they rip it back up. And what was the high in this candle? 279.06. This is at 15.30. The post was at 3.33. That's important to note. I think that was beneficial for Inside the Numbers members. It was a good exit for anybody that took the ride on the long side. Who took the ride on the long side? There are plenty of traders out there, and you all know who you are. You're completely willing to take a stab at a double bottom low. It worked. Double bottom low. Rip higher. 279 was the exit. Inside the numbers is the tour guide. Remember, there were two stocks that hit their numbers today. We'll start with Cat, Caterpillar. You can see what happened. It cut through the first one after hovering over it by some time. The second number did work, ripped where? Back to the first number. What does that show you? The numbers are good. End of the day, it fell back down, but nobody's in a trade at 3.30 in the afternoon on a stock that was given out at 7 o'clock in the morning. These trades are intended to be first half of the day trades. A trade that shows up in the later part of the afternoon isn't the trade that you were looking for when you showed up in uniform, ready to go. It can be, but that's just not the concept of what we're doing here. Here's the other one, Micron, MU. 45.23 was on the board, 7-something in the morning. Hit it right at the open. We did have some traders that took the trade. Here's a high at 10.15 in the morning, 48.33. $3 ride for anybody that took it or somewhere in between. The numbers are the numbers. How did I approach it this morning? I'll bet... Traders out there are curious, what adjustments did I make to come up with today's numbers that were somewhat distant from the norm? So normally, our numbers may be closer to where the opening price is. Buck and a half away, two and a half bucks away, some stocks a lot more, but you know the routine. The adjustment that was made this morning is, I go down for me to what is the next area, the next number underneath where current price is this morning. The next area that hits me across the face like a ton of bricks. So, case in point, Micron, it was a gap. It was below current price. What do I always say? Stocks are headed to a destination. Could have went below the gap. Of course, I had a secondary price that was just as important as the gap. Sometimes what you have to do is Put aside the fact that the market was crashing, other stuff outside of the crash still acts in a normal world within their own worlds. Everything is just magnified. Here's another example. This one didn't hit its number. It's Microsoft. What happened at the beginning of the day? The low was 150 on the button. What was my number on stocks on the move? 149.31. Easily could have hit that number. They chose not to. What happened later? Just minutes later, 10.15 in the morning, the thing's at 157. That could have easily triggered another trade. Stocks are headed to a destination. The market was headed to a destination. It was a far destination from where it closed on Friday, but it was still headed to a destination early this morning. We're never going to change that fact. What else happened today in terms of the S&P 500? Well, guess what? 
the S&P 500 did something very specific that's taught right in the course Lazy E-mini Trader. In fact, it's also taught in the Lazy Gap Trader. So it's no wonder the market stopped around where it did today. Garden variety. The market also did something else today right out of the course Lazy E-mini Trader. Came into an important price, right? The price I just referenced that's taught, or at least how you derive that price, is taught in the course, but also it did it on time. It's not a guarantee we're going to get a turn, but I wouldn't necessarily be betting against a turn right now. What would a turn mean? A turn for me would mean that today's low sticks on a closing basis. The low gives way on a closing basis, and the low will come in at some other point in time from some other price. Camp IWM. Why do we start on the weekly chart? Because I need you to understand where the IWM is in relation to where the SPY is on the chart. This represents the lows from December of 2018. We're approaching those lows now. We're nowhere near those lows in the SPY. The IWM is my favorite market leading indicator. Now, if all the markets go down, the IWM is going to go down with it, and it's likely going to break these lows. You have a 100-month moving average, 123, 124 area. Look what else you got over here. So you have price that runs up to a spot, right? This is a spot, or it's a zone. Somewhere in this area, the market thought that price was important. Why? Because it was rejected. So then it ran back up, and it broke out big time, so this is a breakout area. Somewhere in here is a breakout area. Also, ironically enough, coinciding with a 100-month moving average. Now, you need some space in here. You need some wiggle room. This is a monthly number. So intra-month, if this is reached somehow, some way in short order, which it obviously can be as evidenced by today's action, if that's reached, they can certainly go beneath, spike through the 100-month moving average. I did the work. 18.88 or 16. 118.88 or 116 bucks in the IWM. There's two numbers. You always have to have a backup plan. And guess what? Ironically enough, and there's no accidents or coincidences, but I swear to you that that 116 had nothing to do with this breakup candle low. 114.88 is that breakup candle low. So we're watching this zone in the IWM on an all-out continued collapse. And by the way, what if it doesn't have a continued collapse? What happens if all of a sudden it rallies? Well, we'll be watching this spot later anyway. What happened down at the transportation department? Also, remember the number that was put up on the board, 8045 and change the last video. Now, it was a number that was in a zone, but nevertheless, really? It's almost like they made a beeline for it today. This is back to the daily chart. You're at a breakup candle low, and you're really, really far from home base. It's another area for showtime for the bulls. They need to defend, somebody needs to defend 8,000 in the transports. Let's have a side discussion. Oil prices. We're not even going to look at there's an oil two chart. Why? To the oil I don't even slash have energy any discussion. points of reference. Obviously, on my oil there's chart. a lot of I have to call the platform tensions going on and find Saudi out Arabia, if I'm using the right us, or wrong symbol. Russia. I can't there's a lot even more go players back in involved as well. 
to it's get interesting on support areas down One where we are. Harm it's unbelievable. The U.S. economy the point is that to I drive the price of energy, energy way, way down. We need to because say of the this. impact it has on energy companies, our entire energy sector. On the flip side, other than those companies, and obviously the people working at those companies, but everybody else, we all benefit from lower energy prices because the input costs for those companies are less, or any company buying energy, input costs are less, therefore their expenses go down. Our input costs are less when we put gas in the car. As energy prices come down, the price of gas comes down. So we benefit, but we don't benefit as an economy. Why? The energy sector is levered. What does that mean? That means they borrow money. They have to borrow money to do these hugely expensive projects like drilling for oil. And I'm broad brushing a simple example. But here's the point. Their cost of goods sold is the same thing that they borrow money to pull out of the ground. If that price changes, if their model changes, let's say they're only profitable when oil is over a certain price. We don't know what that price is because you'll hear a variety of different prices and there are a variety of different prices because everybody's cost model is different from country to country, from company to company. But when the cost of oil falls, energy cost fall, decrease, they can't sell it. It's a commodity. They can't sell it for more than it costs them to pull out of the ground. Guess what? They're upside down. Guess what? All of a sudden, the bondholders are in jeopardy of their loan not being repaid. Why? Because XYZ Energy Company can't make money doing what they thought they were going to do when they borrowed the money. What happens? Trouble. This is a cycle that happens over and over and over again in the energy space. This isn't the first time, and it won't be the last. But this time, prices got really, really deep. So what do you do if you want to find out if companies are in trouble? You go to the bond market, take a peek, and see where their bonds are trading. You don't want to go to the Exxon Mobiles of the world. They'll withstand the storm. You want to go to the second and third tier companies, not the ones in the S&P 500. The ones with bonds that have a B in front of their rating. Those bonds are likely trading at a deep discount to par, par being 100 cents on the dollar. And what that tells you is that when the need comes, when they have to borrow money, they're not going to be able to go to the bond market. So what are they going to have to do? One of two things. Go to a bank, and they won't be able to do that either. Or go to the equity market and dilute the rest of their shareholders. Uh-oh, more trouble. These are long-term things that play out over time. It may get a reprieve for a while, and then they may hit it again. You may start to see companies on the brink of failure tomorrow. You'll see hedge funds that were energy-specific that blew up all of a sudden. Unbeknownst to their investors, they just lost all their money. These things are inevitable. These things happen in these cycles over and over and over again. What's a possible play that happens from here? How do things get better? How is confidence instilled back to the market? Right now, one of the only ways is going to be from government. Now again, it's a theory, it's a philosophy, it's a perception. You're probably going to see some kind of a stimulus package show up. It'll look like a bailout. It'll be discussed as a bailout. They'll hammer Trump for it just the same as they hammered Obama for the auto bailout. Nothing ever changes. It's the same script over and over and over again. 
Maybe a bailout package or stimulus package of some sort bounces the market for a while. That's likely. That coincides with an important turn from an important time perspective around an important price, doesn't it? Am I saying we're going to see a stimulus package tomorrow? No, I'm not saying that, but I wouldn't be surprised if we did. And I think from the perspective of what happened today, it's everything that I really intended to and really needs to be discussed. We don't have the need to really look at the other markets. There's nothing different that they're going to tell us. Everything got smoked like a huge bag of weed. The only thing that we can do is show up tomorrow, Tuesday, in uniform, ready to go, and we deal with what the market hands us every single day. If I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you, without you, these videos are not possible. I am going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.